Shooting the shit, talking about things with your communist friends. What do you think? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know where it was going. Um, really, any I step of either. the way. <laughs> and it turned out fine. It turned out good. Okay. Perfect. Great. I'll just put a little MIDI track behind that, and you know, throw out the old theme song. You know, we need to refresh or rebrand. <laughs> yeah, or that's like at least the theme for our for this mini series <laughs> that'd be so stupid i i mean i was gonna say i don't want to spend time doing that but like i also spent like several hours just shooting the shit of activities just like killing time so <laughs> i've got some time i guess yeah i i mean i have the opposite problem i feel like i don't have any time you don't you have a real job well <laughs> i do but i also am doing it differently than i have for years i guess you know mm-hmm. of like preparing two different new things for every day versus that's tough yeah i don't know i've been a little spoiled for a while now of going through my old course you know just refining it that's a lot easier than <laughs> yeah yeah than starting from scratch that would be rough i mean i have stuff Um, yeah i have i mean i have support and stuff like that it's not like the end of the world and other people have it worse but you know it's it's just more than i'm used to i'm I'm, I'm, i've been in lazy teacher mode for a while (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm having the problem where i'm i'm in pencils which is just tight sketches of my book and my hand is in a place where I can only draw so much during the day or I will hurt myself. So I have to cut myself off after four pages and sometimes two pages, depending on how hard the page was. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty annoying, especially I, I tortured myself and looked back on like Instagram highlights or whatever and found out I used to do nine pages a day, which I'm like, wow, that probably wasn't safe. But, you know, <laughs> I wish I could do that again. <laughs> You didn't know. I didn't. And to be fair, like, I had to go to physical therapy during book one. So I probably should go again, honestly, just to get another sick hand massage. Is that kind of how you found out um, that you should limit yourself more? Is just kind of by getting hurt? Yeah, basically. I mean, I knew it was a thing. And, like, older artists are always warning us about it. But we're fucking stupid. And we like to draw. It's our favorite thing. Yeah. So... (laughs) It's really common to ignore that advice and, you know, everyone's like, do it preventatively, like, here are things you can do for that. And, uh, but no, I, I think I went, uh, I was getting really bad wrist pain and I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like carpal tunnel or something like really permanent. Um, yeah. And the good news was they were like, no, nah, it's just inflamed. You're just drawing like a fuck ton. <laughs> yeah. Quit it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you need to like take breaks. <laughs> So, but they did like show me some really good stretches and, uh, they gave me a really awesome massage with like a cool, like scrapey tool that they would like move up and down my wrist. Um, yeah, it's the best. That sounds like a back scratcher, but for a wrist. Um, it was more like a metal or like a like Zen a rake but for a, <laughs> not as bumpy. No, just one piece of metal piece of metal was it i'm still trying this sounds like a now it sounds like a pizza roll like a pizza like like yay big (laughs) like i'm I'm, listeners are making roughly a two by three oval shape yeah you can you can find them online i ended up going with like a oh gosh i don't know how to say it let me google what it is called first because i don't even remember it's called a gua sha it's like a 
little jade stone you can use. It's supposed to be for skincare, which is why I originally bought it. But then I was like, no, this works great for wrist massages, too. Oh, nice. But yeah, that's where I'm at. Trying to hold your body together. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, yeah. Ugh, aging. It's great. Love it. No, it's not. We should be escaping it completely. <laughs> Cyborg revolution. I'm not I'm not interested in immortality. Our friend likes to ask that question. If you would live a thousand years. Could, I would totally. If you could, would you do it? Yeah, yeah, I know you would. You're a freak. But, see, it's not, I mean, that's not really immortality. That's like, just a little longer. I guess so, yeah. It's like being an elf or something. Not that bad. You're not like completely abrogating the whole life cycle thing. You're just, you know, (laughs) taking it easy, taking it slow. Stretching it out a little more. (laughs) Uh, We have been killing time with watching old movies. We're going through like, you know, here are the classic movies you should watch, which, you know, I'm not really a film guy. uh, So I don't bring any sort of critical analysis to it. I'm just like, that was good or that was not good. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What are some of the things that listeners may be surprised that you'd never seen? You know, some of the movies that people mm-hmm. of to varying degrees will be like, what? You've never seen. So we're starting pretty far back. So we did Lawrence of Arabia. Ooh, I haven't seen this either. I've only like heard references to it, like on Better Call Saul. I think they do that. So I wanted to watch it. <laughs> it is really fucking long and there's just a lot of riding camels uh you know just a lot of shots of the desert and camels and like the good news is the camels are very cute so that was fun but yeah it was really long and it was kind of weird that's my review yeah didn't you say you also you watched um was it battleship potemkin yeah Yeah? okay we we mentioned the same i I was gonna mention the same thing of I do think that older movies spent more time showing you like how cool they were at depicting some big natural or big like difficult scene to depict. Yeah, I think there's a lot of showing off in in early movies of just like, wow, look at it. You've never seen this thing before because you'd have to be, you know, on the desert to see this. And and Lawrence of Arabia was one of like the early I'm assuming it's one of the early color movies because it's just so fucking old. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with Battleship Potemkin, it was good. I enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed the first part. You know, fucking sailors doing a mutiny, talking yeah. about revolution. It's fucking rad. <laughs> I also liked it because it was a silent film, so I could just narrate the whole time to my poor, dear, beleaguered husband. Uh, <laughs> I like, could make twice as many sound. jokes. <laughs> But yeah, there. I would say every scene went on like mm, 10 to 25% too long of just like, we're going to show you, you know, here's the pistons of the ship and here's the steamer. But just, we get it. They're on a ship. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I think our modern day equivalent is like in Marvel movies where they spend some extra time just blowing up a few city mm-hmm. blocks or showing totally. you how this various, you know, these various buildings crumble and just doesn't really add anything it's just like whoa wasn't that cool and like i don't want to be one of those people who's like you know why even have a sex scene in a movie what's the purpose of it like not everything has to be like plot 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 you know like i'm not into that but it was just it just hung a little bit long it was just like okay like 
that's fine if you want to do that sometimes or like, you know, just a few less shots of that, please. Yeah, I I think I'm less opposed to it even. I'm like, it's cool. It's just to me weird. It's it's just a different experience, I think, for us. And I think that it is weird that we are uh, conditioned to watch movies differently than people back then would be. And maybe if they were transported to our time, they would be like, what's happening? Like, this is... Yeah, I have no context. What is going on? Yeah. Uh, Remy's back, so he's going to be yelling. <laughs> but yeah, I liked Battleship Potemkin a lot. Um, it was... I think a listener had sent it in as a suggestion for, like, good examples of storytelling about, like, a group instead of an individual. Mm, yeah. And I think that really holds up. Like, there is kind of a main guy in in the sense that he's the one that, that starts, like, kind of rabble-rousing and is like, hey, let's fucking do this. Yeah. Um, and his, his death is used as, like, you know, he becomes kind of a martyr. But it was a really, I think, good example of, of what that listener said, of, of the community coming out. There's this great scene of, um, so you don't, if you don't know the story, I'll just, I'm going to tell you the story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this ship, Battleship Potemkin, it's out in uh, by Odessa. And this is, what year is this, 1907, I think? Out near Odessa, Texas. Yeah, Odessa, Texas. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how they're doing their ship stuff out there. Yeah, it's a little logistically challenging. 1905. And so they're they're out on the sea, and the sailors are getting real pissed because all their food has maggots in it. And it's super gross. Nasty. And they bring the ship's doctor out there, and the doctor's like, it's fine, like, just fucking eat it. And so yeah. um, they're really mad. And like this one guy, um, what is his name? Something with a V. I, I butchered his name so many times. Bakulinchuk. He's like, this sucks. Like, we should do revolution. We should, you know, times are changing in Russia. And and this is kind of considered part of that, like, great dress rehearsal of the revolution, you know? Yeah. And so lots of the sailors end up protesting the meat by not eating their soup. And the officers are like, hey, all y'all that didn't eat your soup, step forward. Uh, we are going to do a firing squad. <laughs> so wow. they call in, like, the military police and set down a tarp so they won't get too much blood on the fucking deck. <laughs> and the guy, like, calls out to his fellow soldiers and is like, hey, what are you doing? Like, just makes a great speech about, like, you don't have to do this and, like, we're brothers and things like that. And, yeah, they take over. It's very frantic. Remy thinks it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it really does a good job of capturing that chaos uh, of the actual struggle. In in that chaos, the, the main guy, uh, it, he dies. He gets shot by an officer. Oh, and damn. Yeah, and, and so they leave his body out at, like, the docks of Odessa. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, leave a sign like this guy was killed for a bowl of soup by the officers and the people of of the town see him and he becomes like this martyr of like everyone gathers to go to his funeral like the whole town comes out it's crazy they spend a long time showing everybody coming out and so they're like you know they're siding with the ship in this incident and they even there's this really great scene of like all the townspeople get in their little boats and they go out and they bring, uh, they make like a bread line. They pass up their bread, they pass up their chickens and pigs and all this stuff to feed the sailors. 
that really reminded me of like some salt of the earth vibes of like the joy of of the struggle because yeah. like they were just like hell yeah let's do this yeah and kind of realizing you know themselves as a class or whatever like their their capabilities their power yeah yeah and it's really cool uh, there is one guy in the crowd who like i guess because he just sees everyone is shouting their opinions yells like an anti-semitic remark and everyone beats him up <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> and he like tries to, like after he realizes it doesn't go over well he like lowers his hat and is like uh, who was that that wasn't me <laughs> He was just like tossing it in, like hey, maybe can we do this too? While we're we're, here. we're offering ideas. <laughs> Could we? Uh, yeah, that one didn't pass the uh, <laughs> the the test. <laughs> so yeah, basically they uh, get supplies from the townspeople, and then more battleships are being sent to subdue them. And the they signal them like, hey, like don't do this, and and they don't, they don't shoot at them. And so I was weird, like I watched it, and like that was pretty much the end, and I was like. Damn, I bet they, like, next day, though, right? And I looked it up. Nah, dude, like, this ship got away. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they ended up finding asylum in Romania. And Romania was like, fucking fine. Like, I don't want any drama, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Russia got, like, the ship itself back. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was this really cool example of, like, an anti-Czarist uprising. This great example of, of I don't know, camaraderie. Yeah, I think that's one thing we overlook sometimes, you know, because we've had big strikes in the news lately, threatening or ongoing, you know, and one of the things I think we lose sometimes is sight of the ultimate goal of labor organizing and labor action is, yeah, you are trying to win concessions in, in the near term, you know, and we don't want to, uh, we don't want to deny that or say who who gives a shit what happens for in the, in the present day it's all about the future revolution you know because people do have to live in these conditions but the larger goal of labor organizing and labor action and stuff is to organize the working class and train ourselves to be capable of doing the revolution in the future you know and and even like you said the instance of them coming together and, and feeding everybody like this, this mass action of mutual aid and stuff. That's practice, right? For ultimately taking power. Yeah. And, and it had like really strong Kropotkin vibes for me too. And that like, this was a totally organic thing. Like they didn't spend a lot of time, you know, talking like, Oh, we need to make a committee. And, you know, yeah. we need to figure <laughs> out what we're going to do and how we feel about this. It was just like people supporting other people in, in this, really dramatic situation and giving whatever they could. And I imagine they didn't have much, you know, like I don't think they were out there living it up. You don't think so? I mean, that's probably not why the czar got. (laughs) They did show a few like of the bourgeois, like the bourgeoisie, I guess. Uh, Like they had like ladies in some fancy dresses, like just coming out to the seaside to watch things like, Ooh, what's going on here? No, but they weren't even helping. They were just watching. I think most of them. Yeah. were just kind of there like, a fun day in the park. Let's see what's yeah. going on with this riffraff. Like the people uh, spectating at the first Battle of Bull Run. Just like, oh, this will probably be fun. <laughs> Sounds great. I personally didn't know if there's enough there for a full movie night. So I'm happy just to give a review here. Thought it was good. A little long in the tooth. And good example of, of mass action. I have no review as I haven't seen it. but <laughs> Well, I recommend it. It sounds cool. I will. Uh, check it's it out fun. at some point. 
Question. Is long in the tooth, I've always heard this or understood this to be to mean old, but does it also just mean too long? I, I think it means old originally, but I've heard it used to refer to things that are just, I, I meant long in the tooth as, as in it takes a long time, I guess. Yeah. So like mini age. I've heard that usage too, but only recently. I've always heard it before as like old. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the traditional use. But I wouldn't use that for, like, say, that piece of lumber is long in the tooth. Like, that, not <laughs> yeah. dimensionally, just time. <laughs> Something that takes too long. Damn, mm-hmm, this traffic mm-hmm. light is long in the tooth. That's depressing to think of your life as taking a certain amount of time. <laughs> Man, this is taking forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, that makes sense. Maybe it is one of those languages changing sort of, you know, things. Okay. People are taking that old phrase and repurposing it. I mean, I think it's fun to say. It makes you sound like a crazy old coot in the, the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe it's not that common. Yeah. We're just weirdos for ever hearing it or saying it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is like, what? Yeah. So the other movie, I mean, we watched a lot of Hitchcock, which Hitchcock was very hit or miss. Like we haven't watched all of his or however you say that word. Yeah, we watched Strangers on a Train, Vertigo, and North by Northwest. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen any of them. I mean, some of them you don't need to. Vertigo, I didn't think you needed to. Like, it's just... Eh. Is that another okay. one that's like an old-time special effects of, like, look at... Yes. Oh, my gosh. Because I've heard that of it. They did a lot of weird red and green overlays and, like, spin moves and just like, oh, my God, guys, like, fucking... This is this looks really stupid today <laughs> and just was too much. It was like, okay, we get it. He's freaking out. We we don't need to go into it this much. What is a spin move in cinematography? In this instance, it was literally a cutout of the main guy's head spinning over like a hypnotic graphic oh. background. <laughs> Classic, <laughs> with like, like flashing red and green color. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So disturbing, I guess, or at least yeah, disorienting. Yeah, just trying to show, like, oh, he's crazy. So. Yeah. I was picturing, <laughs> was okay. like, a guy with a camera, like, running up and then doing a spin move, like <laughs> football. Doing a spin move manually. <laughs> so you're, the viewer is uh, just like, oh, just going around the room. <laughs> that one, I, I give it a C. It just wasn't, it wasn't, some of it was good, but some of it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, we get it. Yeah. You had to be there. Yeah, maybe you did. <laughs> North by Northwest was like kind of fun, had some good twists. I give that one a B. Stranger on the Train I liked the most, actually, and that was the first one we did. Okay. What I wanted to talk about, though, was one scene from it. <laughs> okay, yeah. What you got? So this guy, he's like wanted for murder. He's He's been framed, basically. Uh, or so who says? Well, uh, you find it, you know, you know. Okay. But <laughs> and he's going after the guy who set him up, right? And he's mm-hmm. chasing him down this uh this county fair kind of situation, like a carnival. Uh, that's the word. He chases him into the merry-go-round, like they get on the carousel. And this fucking cop <laughs> cuz they're chasing the first guy. They're like he's the one, right? They mm-hmm. don't know about the second guy. This fucking cop runs up, just blasts a shot right into a moving carousel full of children. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is peak cop behavior. Yes. Totally normal. <laughs> and what, it, 
what it ends up doing is hitting the guy who's operating it like in the middle and he falls and dies and like the lever breaks and so the carousel's going way too fucking fast um and i'm just like wow this is this is what a cop would do <laughs> make like, things worse it's like throwing kids off just you know they're flying off rhythm force they they all manage to hold on but like they you know it they make it look really fucking fast it looks terrible they're like hanging on and their like legs are up in the air <laughs> like, yeah they're like fucking screaming it's horrifying oh man that's <laughs> That's that's totally what a cop would do in the situation. <laughs> Blammo, yeah. right into a crowd of moving children. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the turbo go round was the best out- possible outcome given that situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean one guy did get hit by it, so. Sure, but I mean it was the guy, right? It wasn't the kids, so it's not as bad. Well, then the the thing ends up collapsing. Uh I think they end up stopping it and so like the force of it just it just kind of fucking falls apart so i don't know i don't know if anyone died in that disintegration of the carousel but yeah that was hilarious like we we like still go up to each other like days later like i can't believe you did that <laughs> <laughs> just well, you know you got to stop you got to stop people from fleeing or whatever you can't let mm-hmm. kids get in the way of that i mean he doesn't have a place to go he is on a carousel <laughs> He's going to come off of it eventually. Yeah, it might take too long, though. So, you you know, you don't want to be... He was a little long in the tooth in getting off of the <laughs> carousel. So, help uh, him and the kids off. You know, they probably have mm-hmm. things to do, like study or go, you know, work or something. <laughs> I guess back uh, then they probably still had child labor laws. Mm, yeah, I think so. We don't have any of those anymore. It was set like present day, but, you know, back in the, what, 60s or something? Yeah, it was set in probably like 50s or 60s. Let me see. Let's see. No, it was made in 1951. So if it was set in the 60s, that would be weird. Oh, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was a 60s movie. No, I mean, a lot of Hitchcock ones are, so um, I think. But yeah, that one was good. Good twists. Good turns. I enjoyed it. Good depiction of cops, too. Yeah, very accurate. That was Christine's movie corner. A a short rundown of old, uh, of old <laughs> films. Mm-hmm. It was good though. Like I feel like I am better equipped to take on or not take on various films. Yeah, yeah. I'll job. let you know which ones you can skip. Yeah, that's man. I feel like it's not an original insight, I guess, but I feel like I just kind of wonder what the mechanism is behind everybody's struggle to it feels like everybody has to struggle to make sure they watch something that is not shitty like and kind of agonizing over it beforehand yes this is where this came from we were tired of just like browsing endlessly reading descriptions whatever and so we're like you know what let's just say we're gonna watch a bunch of old movies and like there's always some old movies on there we're gonna look for classics kyle pulled up like the you know the best films of all time list Mm mm-hmm but even that is an interesting experience because it's, I mean, it's just like when you first start learning about like art history and stuff, like there's, you know, what's called the canon, the Western canon, which is like, here's the good shit, right? So like Michelangelo's yeah. David or whatever, you know, at first it's kind of cool. You're learning a lot of stuff. And then you start wondering like, who decided this? Like who, who made this <laughs> choice to elevate this? You know, right? Like, this actually sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I'm not picking on David It's a sick statue, cool penis, but whatever. <laughs> cool hog yeah and that's my question like with the the list that we're using like so much of it is backloaded so that it's it's older movies are considered more prestigious like after you get to you 
maybe the 20s and 30s, you start to get a couple of 90s, and, and there's a big chunk of 80s ones in, like, the 30s. They're like, oh, okay, you guys are cool enough. So mm, okay. it's, it's just an interesting, like, kind of inverse relationship with age and prestige. I guess not inverse. I don't know how math does. <laughs> and, yeah, so I guess I'm like, is this just cool because it was old and, like, you know, old people feel like they're more established and so they get to hand down knowledge to us. They like that idea of like, oh, this is a classic. You have to listen to it. Or is it like, because Kyle and I were talking about this, like after we watched one of them, it's like, it's really hard for me to objectively analyze this because I am not coming into this in, in 1951. So I've seen a lot of these tropes before. I've seen a lot of movies like this, before, you know, already. And so I'm like, how much of this was new then? How much of this was really groundbreaking? Like the stupid spin effect, maybe that blew somebody's fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I mean, I think it's probably a combo, right? Like, so you do get kind of props for being first about things, technique-wise and all that, cinematography, that sort of complex stuff. But then I think you're right. It's also partly the prestige of, you. if you're breaking that ground with one generation, right? then they, you know, came up with your film being this big, huge, expansive thing for them. When they become a film, you know, expert or professor and stuff, then they're showing the stuff that, you know, was groundbreaking mm -hmm. in their time. And they're appreciating, so you know, the new stuff that comes out, but it's not like becoming, you know, there's a difference between being a legend, which is like this established old thing, like a Hall of Famer is never a Hall of Famer in their first rookie season. <laughs> you know, you kind of have to prove your staying power and that, that you're not a fad movie, right? Yeah, basically your your mentors will tell you, like, here's here's the good shit. And then what, once you're old enough to be a mentor, you can tell other people what you think is the good shit. Yeah, but I think, you know, there is sort of a survivor bias of like, I'm probably using that wrong, but like some of those uh, ones that you were mentored on initially are going to stay in that selection mm -hmm. some of them you're gonna grow up and be like actually that sucks nah, but, that was not that cool but the ones that continue to you know make it through there those are those old classics i guess and since there were more of them starting out i guess there they end up being more on the final list you know that's a good point but yeah it, it was a nice way for us to just kind of filter and you know we've talked a lot about and i'm not gonna like sit here like a boomer and be like hey I used to make real movies back then and they all suck now. But it is kind of like, well, I know there's not going to be a goddamn superhero on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that much. <laughs> yeah, those, I I really don't think any of those will make like the top <laughs> most influential movies. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, there is a place for them in culture, I, I think. Like, it is nice to have what I would call a popcorn movie. Like, yeah, you want a movie just to watch a movie. That's fine. Like, we're not anti-pleasure. Sure, yeah. But I think what we've talked about a lot on the show is the sheer proliferation of, of just trying to milk IP out for, for profit is, is the issue. Not to say that these old films didn't do that, too. Like... Some of them are like, this feels like an ad for San Francisco tourism. Like, you know, they were taking us all over the, the goddamn city. I'm like, I'm going to go there in a month. I'm going to know a lot of shit now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I'm looking at some potential labor stuff, a little labor corner. Yeah, let's get back to communism. We sound like just like two bros with any old podcast. Like, we think about movies. <laughs> <laughs> But this is shooting the shit. We're supposed to yeah, sort of dabble know. in that a little bit. We're, 
Trumpa, we're also supposed to try to relate it back to our cause. And I, I feel like I have failed at that. Anyway, movies will be really cool under communism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they will. And you won't have to worry about the IP milking. You won't have to worry about... I mean, you're still probably going to have some stupid special effects in the movies, I guess. Because yeah, why not have a little fine. fun, you know? That's fun. Well, like, even... Potemkin, like, I don't remember what I made a comment about, but I was just like, oh, sick, this is cool. And Kyle's like, well, it's propaganda. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is supposed to look cool. And, you know, you can make an argument that a lot of uh, current films are propaganda, basically brought to you by the Defense Department. So, (laughs) yeah, that's very true. It's it's like rubber stamped by them, you know, and Mm -hmm. the the way that you get like cool military jets and stuff like that in your (laughs) movies is that you don't get them unless you let them sign off on your script and let them make changes and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Before we talk about anything else, I was surfing here and found a, uh, just a stupid, you know, banner border ad sort of thing. It says, what if a second civil war breaks out? Game simulates political scenarios. It's got this (laughs) map of the U S Hell yeah. And it's divided, and this is not a north or south one. Now we're going east versus west. Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this take before. (laughs) Not the specific banner. Okay. (laughs) It divides. uh, The the front is going to be between Louisiana and Texas. Really? I mean, we do love to shit on Louisiana if you're from Texas. It's very funny. No offense to actual Louisiana people. I just, it's a joke. I don't actually mean it. (laughs) And that runs up to, mm, it looks like, oh, which Great Lake is that? Uh, Is it the one by Chicago? Because that's the only one I know. uh, Yeah, it is. Yeah, it runs up to Chicago. Yeah, like right to the left side of Michigan. Like to the left of Indiana, I guess. So like Chicago, that's it does this little more diagonal line, and so the western half, that's the blue half. It's got a United States-looking flag there. <laughs> and what is New York going to do? The eastern half is in the you know New York and all them, and teamed up with its good ally, Florida. Everyone knows. <laughs> They're best friends. <laughs> uh, that's red, and it's got this like Chinese flag on it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I'm so confused. Who was the blue then? Well, I guess that's like. The U.S. or the western half, Texas. Why would and China come in on the East Coast? That's very far away from them. Yeah, and it's again a civil war. It's not like it shouldn't be like China is <laughs> actually the side. Point. It's just like the you know United uh, Communes of the Eastern United States. Oh well, you know, like the Russian Civil War, we had some fuckery going on in there. Oh, that's true. Maybe China is coming in to help their comrades over there. Maybe. Maybe oh, not. okay. There's also a little mushroom cloud on the border there, so. Oh, bummer. Who got it? That would be... It's one of those things where... Have you ever done this? Like, uh, try to guess what state it is uh-huh. without, like, that. the borders? I hate I'm so bad at it. Yeah. So, well, I'm going to guess first and then check myself. I'm going to say... Guess, guess, I'm going to guess... I'm trying to think of who's along the Mississippi. Yeah, that's probably actually in Illinois, like... Not oh, Chicago, yeah. Chicago, but like the rest whatever of you Illinois. call it. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Well, it's either Illinois or Missouri, I think. Okay. I was going to guess Missouri. St. L- uh, they probably nuked St. Louis. St. Louis. What they did. Oh, Sorry, St. Louis. R.I.P. <laughs> In this stupid banner hat. It's really dumb. Like, what? 
I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I love that shit. In union news. <laughs> Actual news. <laughs> yeah, not fake news banner ads. Uh, about 146,000 members of the United Auto Workers Union will vote next week on whether to authorize their leader's call to strike against the Detroit nice. automakers. All right. What's what's going on? Who are the goodies? Who are the baddies? What are the terms? We know who the goodies and baddies are, actually. But yeah. <laughs> what, what are the terms? What's the issue? And I don't really know too much about UAW to say whether, you know, what their leadership is like or their rank and file is like. Broad strokes most unions end up with a more radical rank and file than leadership generally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we talked about that. So you can take that as a starting point and then maybe they have different particulars here. Uh, but their contract with general motors, Ford and Stellantis, which I don't know what that is, uh, expires in about a month. And so they are, you know, one of the one of the things they like to bring, I think, to the bargaining table is, hey, we've already authorized a strike if you guys don't uh, do better than this. Hell yeah. That's great. That's great that you can pre-authorize like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it lends your side strength. They've set high expectations for the contract talk and said the union will seek more than 40% general pay raises over four years, restoration of pensions for newer hires, cost of living increases and an end to wage tiers and other benefits. Hell yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Kind of in the wake of what we were talking about with the UPS strike and stuff though, mm -hmm. is that we do, you know, one thing to look out for is how much they stick to that. Yes, definitely. Cause I was listening to, um, the Valley labor report. I think someone recommended that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to that episode uh, people calling in from different uh, locals, different UPS locals, or uh, the union there, local Teamsters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people were of different opinions. People were saying this is as good as we can do right now, and it's pretty good. Uh, but, like, it wasn't as enthusiastic as maybe the initial releases let it, you know, led it to believe. You know, they kind of acknowledged that, yeah, there's gonna, it's going to be a little slow moving on getting air conditioning and stuff in, in yeah. the car. And, you know, then people who were opposed to it, who wanted to do, take further action said, well, that's kind of bullshit. I mean, they're going to have so long to, they're trying to stock yeah. up on more trucks now while they have like the window <laughs> of opportunity. So it's fucked up. I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, it's a press release. Like you can kind of say whatever the fuck you want in there to make yourself sound good. Like we are not seeing the real contract. We're not seeing the real negotiations. Like we are getting this from someone who wants to make themselves look good. You know, like yeah. recently I, I saw that uh, Lyft was sending out these fucking emails describing how they're, they're going to stop service in Minneapolis because of that law we talked about a while back providing for better wages for mm. the drivers. Yeah. And they were just kind of like making shit up. They're just like, yeah, prices are going to be really high. Also, this is going to make driving less safe and like trying to scaremonger about this shit. And I was like, I don't remember that being part of the discussion, but okay. I mean, <laughs> like I'm going to have to do some fact checking. I haven't yet. So <laughs> who knows? But, <laughs> but you like, you just have to keep that in mind when, when hearing the broad strokes of these stories and, and the official release, releases is we're not getting the whole picture, I guess. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, union members, generally speaking, it's difficult to do. But as a member of the union, I think you're probably in the better position than the general public because it actually affects you. 
to, you know, inform yourself about the details of these contracts and like actually figure out, okay, is this a good deal? You know, cause you know how it applies to you and uh, listening to the, to the people calling in and stuff. Sometimes I was confused cause there was, you know, terminology about, oh, this category yeah. of job and this category, you know, and I was like, okay, I can kind of follow this, but not exactly. But yeah, I don't know. I think another thing I took from that was that it is one thing I think for us to speculate and say, oh yeah, you know, you should do this or you should do that. But we don't, it's not, mm, it's not up to us. Who cares? You know what we think about it. Uh, we want to be on the side of whatever the workers choose, I think is another big thing. Whatever happens going forward there, hopefully the workers stand strong and are victorious. Yes. Yes. Solidarity. Best of luck. I hope they get to the outcome that is best for the workers. Which is they take over the UAW <laughs> themselves. They full on just take over everything. Let's do it. Cynicalism. What's that about? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a, I got a hypothetical. All right. What is, what is your hypothetical? I guess this goes back to some of our, our food uh, episodes. Okay. So I went to a kind of a fancy coffee shop recently. That's well known. It's well known that you went there. That's well, I publicized it. I told everybody. <laughs> I said, I'm going to be here. And I, I got a pastry item, as I want to do. And it was, I think I told you, it was a homemade, well, bakery made, but, you know, not mass produced, Pop-Tart. Artisan. Artisan. Artisanal <laughs> Pop-Tart. It was fucking dank. It was puff pastry. It was brown sugar cinnamon inside with a little frosting on top. Delicious. And I was like eating it and I was like, damn, I wish all Pop-Tarts could be this good. And like, I kind of thought to myself, like, what if they could? What if in the commune, all Pop-Tarts are this good? <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle was like, wait, 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 where are you going to get the sugar? Like, we don't have that. You know, that doesn't grow naturally in the States. Like, mm. you know, what the fuck are you going to do? He's like, I don't want to be the one cutting the sugar cane. You know, Mr. I'm just asking questions. Got a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the guy I married for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps me honest, okay? <laughs> he makes sure that I am not floating off into the sky uh, <laughs> with stupid fucking ideas sometimes. So, yeah, that's. I guess that's what I'm talking about. What? what can I have the fancy Pop-Tart? <laughs> uh, if, if people decide that they want it, then yeah, you can. We are... As a culture in the Imperial Corps, for sure, and to a degree elsewhere too, maybe, uh, consumers. We, we are raised to be consumers, to understand ourselves as consumers in the economic capacity. Like, that's what we do. We consume primarily. We go, you know, to work and stuff, but that's like a chore we have to do to get <laughs> stuff to, cons to, to get the means to consume. This yep. is how how our frame how we're taught, uh, not really explicitly sometimes, but just that's that's what we're received. Versus seeing our actual like our labor as the productive thing, right? As yeah, the, the old times, you know, in the old socialist days, they would talk you know talk up the producers of society, meaning us, the workers, you know, and that's kind of been lost. So, I guess part of the new way of looking at it, of being consumers, is that. We think of, hey, can I have this? Can I have that? Without considering <laughs> ourselves, considering like, how does that thing come into being? So, yeah, yeah. And well, and to the point of 
producer versus consumer, I think some of that is intentionally obscured via like imperialism and like you don't want to think too hard about where that comes from, where that fucking sugar cane comes from and, you know, the flour and all that stuff that is used to make the delicious Pop-Tart. Yeah, the supply chain is in most things pretty evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not really your fault um, just for buying the thing because someone, you know, d- figured it out that, hey, if people are going to, you know, would buy this thing if I could make it. And let me, you know, torture as many people as I can to make it as cheaply as possible to sell it to them and make money. Yeah, you know? torture as many animals as I can if it's a, a meat or dairy product. Yeah. And what we're looking at in the commune is a drastic reduction in the difference between consumers and producers of things. So what I mean is we would be producing way more of the shit that we consume ourselves. Yeah. And what we consume is mostly going to be what we produce or even if it's from far away, what someone in our, in the same social status as us produces. So knowing that we would have to put the appropriate value on it, not like totally squish it out with subsidies and yeah, that'd be expensive, an expensive pop tart for one. Yeah. It's going to be expensive. <laughs> Because you do have to, you know, you have to compensate somebody, your money wise, uh, time token wise, or, uh, you know, just uh, maybe social status or whatever, to do mm-hmm. something that they used to have to literally enslave people to make them do. Because it's that harder work of processing, yeah. you know, sugar cane and stuff like that. Yeah, the spice trade too, very labor intensive. Yeah, that's that's going to be. Um, expensive if we are, you know, in that commune state where nobody's going to be exploited for that to be produced. All right. That, like a lot, like the cheapness of our society, the dollar menu is fueled uh, by exploitation, cutting those labor costs and, and say, and making it to where the millionaire who runs the thing can be like, Oh, that's, that's fine. Give it to them for only that much. I, I got my cut. You know? mm-hmm. it, it's run by the oil companies. It's, it's run by like just giant petrochemical shit. Same with the plastics industry. I was actually reading a graphic novel by one of my cartoonist friends, Kate Wheeler. And um, it's like for kids, but I mean, it, it is really good. I'm going to hand it off to my nephew at some point, but it's called a uh, team trash. And it's about these two kids that are like time traveling to learn about different sustainability practices, like, throughout time which is pretty cool Mm, okay so everything from like greeks you know ancient greece using uh bits of pottery to build their walls and stuff like that but yeah there's there's lots of like stuff in there about plastics and you know how horrible they are for the environment and also like why they are so prevalent and you know there was a stat in there about like what is it 20 companies make like most of the world's plastic or something like that and like that's why there's so fucking much of it. They're like, hell yeah, that's my shit. Please keep buying it. Yeah. And that's not going to go away. That, that's kind of maybe the, the inverse problem of of the commune situation. So, you know, they, we have we can't stop these people from producing bad shit that's choking the planet <laughs> versus we're considering, okay, how would we get people to make good stuff that we want if it's hard yeah. to do? Well, I mean, one, we have to just, we have to accept that the terms are different here. We're not worried about profit. We are worried about 
how the worker is treated, how the earth is treated. Like when you change the goal, that completely changes the equation. It becomes less about like, oh, is this, you know, quote unquote, efficient in the old way? Or is it is it good? Right. So basically, as a society, you'd have to determine or as a very determined individual, you could technically just go, you know, produce all the stuff yourself, literally. But (laughs) that would be pretty intense. Oh, yeah. no thanks. As a society, you'd have to figure out, okay, you know, this particular treat or this particular good or whatever, is this going to be good for people? Do people really want this? And is this something we're going to devote resources to? Kind of like when we were playing um, The Quiet Year. Like, yeah. you had to kind of prioritize, like, hey, people, you know, we think they really want this. We think this will be good for our community. And now we're kind of, you know, sinking resources into that you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. I think instead of profit being your bottom line, it, the bottom line is, is kind of labor power and resources of like, okay, like, am I going to, you know, ask a whole bunch of people to do this difficult work? Am I going to, how am I going to convince them to do that? You know, do these people get to work fewer hours because they're like fucking working with sugar cane and that's a pain in the ass. Like you have to figure out a lot of questions in all in all fields of work, and we've talked about a lot of them on the show of like, okay, you know, who's doing the sewers, who's doing the libraries, whatever. Like, there has to be difficult discussions on those points. Yeah, and I think it will. You know, if we ever if we're ever lucky enough to get to that point, <laughs> it will get easier as time goes on. And one of our refrains is the boot is wet because the boot is you pulled out of the capitalist swamp. Uh, you're still going to be a little capitalist, you know, you're still going to, that's that part of you is going to be like, but I don't want to go do that. It's, it's because, yeah, because you're in this mindset of like your society fucks you over. So you want to try to get out of doing as much as you can for your society. Cause it's bad. Like, yeah, cause it's yeah. just exploiting you're protecting you. yourself. That's all you've ever known. Yeah. You're already like people are kind of innately, uh, attuned, uh, to the methods of, slave revolt of labor slowdowns uh, of of sabotage like you you kind of have that already in your like mindset because just because of that because you (laughs) sense an antagonistic relationship there and you realize yeah i'm getting ripped off on some level i'm gonna why would i try to do more why would i volunteer to help these help my boss out help you know work harder and stuff like this if it's (laughs) not going to benefit me yeah and like with all these hypotheticals that we bring up, like it's almost impossible to address because there's so many different flavors and approaches. There's so many different circumstances. You know, when, when we look back at the USSR and, you know, one of their big issues was a lack of consumer goods. But like, you have to look at the reasons behind that. It wasn't just because like, there's some evil guy up. Stalin wasn't twirling his big fucking mustache. Like, fuck Pop-Tarts. Nobody gets that shit. Like, (laughs) it was more like, well, we're being attacked from all sides, so like I don't think we can prioritize luxury goods right now. Yeah, and you know, when they made that shift, you know, later in like the sixties and stuff, and they're like, Oh, well, we're gonna do more consumer goods and stuff and try to appease people in that regard more, like that wasn't really a good thing. Um mm-hmm. it seems to have kind of set their economy on like kind of an unsustainable track, like threw them off of their goal of industrializing more and stuff like that. Like it, 
and I'm not quite sure on the details of it. I do want to do more research, but I've read things to the effect of that was a big wrench um, in, really? in the plan. And it kind of, you know, sure, it, it did kind of make people feel a little better for a little bit, but uh, it just wasn't good, like, for economics. the central planning and the ec- econo- uh, economics of it, yeah. Yeah, uh, interesting. Because, yeah, that's that's like one of the things we hear a lot, I guess, is is there was such a, you know, like people fucking smuggling in blue jeans and shit like that of like, oh, I just, you know, I can't get it here at all. Which like, yeah, that fucking sucks. Like we should have blue jeans in the commune. I'm pro jeans. I think like- that one's <laughs> a funny one, though. Like if you were sneaking in fashion into a place where that wasn't allowed or something uh, my man, you do have to wear that. Like you're planning on wearing that in public. Yeah, People who are going to see you, this right? To? <laughs> like this is my sexy blue jean lingerie. Right. You can't like, <laughs> only my partner gets to see me in these jeans. <laughs> you go <laughs> to like great se- secret point. jean parties or something. <laughs> Everyone wears their normal um, big baggy pants or something there. Yeah, and then over they, just, it. <laughs> they all wear like big coats and shit. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, I was telling, I was watching that. Uh, I was watching a movie where they were showing like smuggling shit inside of bread. I'm like, oh my, like just the most ridiculous <laughs> Soviet stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, the Pop-Tart, it will logistically be harder to do. But if people want it, then yes. But if it's just you, you've just seen a commercial about it, for, you know, piped <laughs> in from the Imperial Corps. And you're like, man, I really want that Pop-Tart too bad i mean yeah i mean okay let's say let's say it's popping off in the imperial core let's go let's play a little okay if it's pop tart <laughs> the american pop tart that we know and kind of love in a bad way um <laughs> it's going to be different if the commune runs that if if you know the people run that we'll say okay we don't like all these corn subsidies we don't like all this you know bad labor practices like we're gonna fucking change how we do this assuming global communism here because i mean if the u.s went down i think think we're probably there (laughs) then you can work out you know equitable trade relationships with other people not as hard if we are talking more small-scale commune stuff then you have to say okay like is this going to work with our food system currently like what do we have that can replace some of these ingredients is it a honey-based pop-tart is a molasses-based pop-tart is it something else and we've talked a lot about seasonal eating too of like okay like how can we incorporate this so that like we can make this without it being bad for our environment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the small scale situation just faces so many more challenges in that regard. For sure. You're going to have <laughs> like some weird, like corn flour, acorn flour. I, I read, a uh, read some more books by Octavia Butler and, and you know, they were in this really uh, dystopian world and uh, you basically no one had jobs. And so you'd have to like, grow a lot of your own food too and so acorns became a big thing of like oh we can like fucking make this into flour so like that was a big uh, like people learned a lot about like the smart people in in there were like okay i'm gonna start living off the land and stuff like that yeah yeah so it could look it could be a very different pop tart (laughs) and you might you know not end up devoting any resources to figuring out any alternative to a pop tart though if you're in the small scale commune, because you may be too concerned with not getting other know, things conquered by <laughs> the rest of the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing is, is if you don't have that sweet, sweet global communism, you've got bigger fish to fry, bigger pops to tart. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bigger tarts to pop. That makes more sense. So, yeah, that is, I guess, yeah, that that is the connection being drawn of like, yes, we would like nice things. And I think that's fine to advocate for. But depending on your scenario, we don't know. We don't know if you'll get to have the nice things. Yeah. That's, you know, what it boils down to is you won't have, uh, you won't be able to request your nice things with a gun to the other person's head. Yes. And we're not saying you're wielding the gun, but our society (laughs) is, you know, capitalism is. And so that's how these things just so happen to, you know, pile up in our grocery stores and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is the cheapness is a lie. (laughs) Yeah. It's expensive for somebody. Mm -hmm, Just not you. I have a, I guess, kind of a follow-up, kind of not, but um, re- regarding our enemies, I was going to joke and say they were friends. They're not friends on uh, the show. Uh, the Turfs. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Turfs. I was thinking Dave and Dan. I was like, they're all, they're frenemies at this point. They're kind of frenemies at this point. They're on a shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, the Turfs. Uh, no, fuck them. Yeah, no, they fucking suck. Shout out to any Turfs out there. You guys are not good. No, not good at all. <laughs> hot take. Turfs are not good. It's, it's not hot a take. It's a very cold take. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find this woman's name. Yeah, she's just an idiot. I don't, I don't know if she even deserves a name. That's fine. I'm, she doesn't deserve the research put in to find her, her name. <laughs> all right. Turf, okay, so uh, Jane Turf. I'll, I'll look it up. Ugh. Uh, hold on. Jane Turf works. It's like Jane Doe, but Jane Turf. <laughs> I have to go to the Daily Mail for this, which I hate that. Ooh. I know. So that really tells you a lot. Yes, yeah, so okay. some quality research. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is the story of Teresa Steele. And she is a sol- retired solicitor in the UK. Is this solicitor like a lawyer there, or is that a barrister? That's a barrister. Isn't I it? think a solicitor's a lawyer. No? Solicitor Britain. On Downton Abbey, he was a solicitor. A British lawyer who advises clients representing them in the lower, lower courts and prepares cases for barristers to try in higher courts. Oh. So they're okay, like so a chump the barrister. Boys. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, shit lawyer. You start out as level one <laughs> solicitor, and then you end up level 99 barrister. Yeah, can we get cooler names for our job titles? Like, I'm a cleric or something, and then I get to be like, I don't know, a fucking paladin later. Not to say that paladins are better than clerics. I'm just, I'm using that as a fucking goofy example. No offense to our clerics. They are better if, I think, if you're like a more martial player, maybe. Yeah, if you're swinging them big swords. Yeah. Anyway, this bitch... <laughs> So she goes in to get get surgery for something, right? Uh, she goes to this hospital. Okay. And uh, the headline that was that was shared by this reputable source at the Daily Mail: retired solicitor left at death's door when her surgery was canceled because she dared to object to a trans woman nurse in her hospital room. What? So yeah, yeah. Uh, quote, you can't cancel me. I'm not scared to speak out. You can't cancel well, me is a really uh, good quote. What was... <sighs> Here's the thing, dude. It gets... Like, that's stupid, right? Like... Uh, so the scenario is she's going in for surgery, which is very important, it says. Life-saving um, or something. I think it was... Let's find out. 
Well, She's getting like a wart removed or something. That'd be really funny. She went to a private hospital, the Princess Grace Hospital in London. Wow, that sounds fancy. Yeah. Uh, what did she go in there for? An essential operation. All right, so it's essential. And the there is a trans person who is going to be a nurse involved. And the, the turf said, you get out of here. And then is mad that she can't get care <laughs> it gets worse you know that little you know brief aside you made who was involved she wasn't even involved she just saw a lady that she like clocked probably incorrectly because these people are really bad at that but also it doesn't matter she saw someone with what she perceived as like inexpertly applied makeup and like a wig this person let's see a transgender member of staff opened the door and briefly made eye contact with her Okay, so she is transgender, <laughs> this person, at least. That would be an yeah, added yeah. funny... Yeah, well, that she claims, we actually don't know. Oh, okay. This could be a cis person, it could be a trans person. It doesn't matter. This person's crazy. The turf's crazy. Yeah. it's. I think it's funnier if, like, it is literally about nothing and that the person is not even fitting her criteria. But it's still stupid. It's just... You go into a store and you're like, cashier no you won't sell me anything and then you're like yeah because i don't like you or something you're like how come no one will check me out at the cashier like why that's you it's like the meme where you're riding the bicycle and you stick the stick in there and you know sabotage your own bicycle and then who did this damn it trans people you know (laughs) dude like she stated on admission forms that she not she did not wish to quote use pronouns or engage with such manifestations of gender ideology end quote during her stay so, so she only uses names. She does not use any pronouns. I like that when people <laughs> just don't know what pronouns are. Not mm-hmm, in apparently. the quote unquote woke sense, but just like as a part of speech. <laughs> yep. Uh, and yeah, so she was, she basically up front was like, fuck trans people. I don't want any of them near me. And then when a person she thought was trans again, who knows who cares? She just saw them existing in the same hospital. She was like, no, I, she turned down care and now is acting like she's the she was denied here. care. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What What is <laughs> That's so stupid. It's insane. Even like if you were trying to be devil's app, not even devil's advocate, but like, you know, you're coming at this without a lot of knowledge about trans issues or something. You're just like, well, what if she wanted a, a female doctor? Cause it was like a gynecological concern or I did not say that word right, but you know what I mean? Um, uh, I didn't hear it wrong. So I kind of mumbled it. So okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm not going to try to edit that out. I'm just, I'm just not here for it today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she had a male surgeon. So like, this wasn't like, I only want women working on me. Like yeah. the surgeon was male. So like, it doesn't matter. Like, she just made this a not. problem for herself. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Just, uh, there's, there's just far too few brain cells going on there. I don't, I don't know. It's not like, it's not even hypocritical. It's not like any, it's just dumb. Like, who does that? Yeah. So apparently she goes home after this, like, pre-op appointment and, and writes an email being like, you know, male staff have to ask my permission before they come in. I'm like, okay, so your surgeon, I guess, has to be like, hello, I'm coming in. (laughs) (laughs) And, and saying that like this, this was part of her 
like these are her demands basically <laughs> um and and she's like so paranoid she's like i think that this this trans person found me intentionally because they knew about my intake paperwork yeah because like nurses are so free on their time they can just like come around sp- spooking people being like hello yeah like <laughs> she saw the paper and just like cracks her knuckles just like all <laughs> right time to freak some people out like what the fuck and so after this email saying like, hey, I'm going to make things really difficult, basically, mm-hmm. um, she gets an email from this hospital CEO saying, we don't share your beliefs and are not able to adhere to your request. So that's her claim of like, oh, they're denying me care and like, whatever. <laughs> after so, you angrily stormed out and. Uh-huh. And said, <laughs> fuck you guys. And said, uh, just make like wall off your workers. Do this ornate stuff for me. Yeah, it's not worth the money. I mean, this is the beautiful <laughs> private hospital that you, you know, desire. And, well, it's a business decision. Yeah, I, it's it's my choice, eh? Ugh. Boo to this person. I already forgot yeah. her name. I already have Teresa something. Who cares? Teresa fuckface for all I care. She sucks. Yeah. Boo, I hope you do find your surgery at some point because just, you know, whatever. But. I don't care. <laughs> I'm neutral about it. Yeah, she sucks. Wow, what a what just a complete buffoon. <laughs> really playing yourself there. <laughs> I only have one more thing, and it's kind of a hey, yeah. All, all my things this week have been like half topics. I feel like I'm just bringing scraps because I wasn't really prepared. <laughs> this is the <laughs> scrapple episode. Uh huh. Just kind of lump just it all together. That stuff my is little good, foraging. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I saw a tweet about, uh, it was a, a form that someone was filling out for like signing up to subscribe to like Baskin Robbins, like their, their, I guess their newsletter email list or yeah, whatever, right? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And they had a gender drop down and the gender was male, female, ice cream lover, which I think is my new gender. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, you know, it was very funny and like, but but what it did end up spawning was this conversation about like how businesses use that data. Because people were like, why the fuck does an ice cream company need to know my gender? And people were like, well, it's so they can know what ads to show you. Right. Like they can send you the like pink washed ones or whatever. <laughs> totally. And like, okay, I'm going to sell this to other email lists. So like they can try to get you to buy more shit. And, and someone in there was saying that often what companies will do is if, if there is a non-binary option, they will just show them the female ads, which like, wow, there's a lot to unpack there, like about how they view non-binary people as just woman light. Well, okay. So I didn't, re- I didn't even think about this angle, but of course I do. You're more familiar, I think, with data stuff than I am, but. Mm. But on the back end, there's no difference. On the back end, they, when they receive all the data of. Who identify, you know, this email said male, this one said female, this one said other. They, they're like, cool for Baskin Robbins. They're like, neat. But they, they're also like, neat, this is a sellable thing to other people. Well, right. I don't know. I'm not saying Baskin Robbins specifically does that. But I will say, based on my experience, uh, a lot of times, like, companies will just sell your data. Like, they'll just be like, cool, uh, thanks for that. I am now going to forward this to my good friends who will, like, send you shit that we think you're interested in because you like Baskin Robbins. Maybe you're in this income bracket. Maybe you like these other things. 
Yeah. I I don't know the whole details on it and how exactly that sausage is made, but I know that's a thing. Yeah. So I guess where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, (laughs) gender-wise, in in some products, it might still be useful for them to collect because they can sell it to someone to whom it does make more sense. Yes, yes. Okay. But then you're saying it is bizarre that you would say, yeah, okay, so company A would be like, let's sell the big manly stuff to the men. <laughs> let's sell the little dainty stuff to the women. And then they just kind of like do the same thing for any in, anyone in the other or non-binary <laughs> or whatever category. Yeah, yeah. I was reading that that is apparently a thing. Uh, I mean, according to these comments on a fucking Twitter thread, so who knows? But yeah, I mean, like, I believe it. Like, why would someone build an entirely new experience for, like, an admittedly small part of the population when they're just trying to sell them shit? They're not going to be all, you know, specific about it. So, yeah, uh, it was just it was just <laughs> weird. <laughs> I think that's evidence that there's normal people and then there's men. There's something weird with us. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the opposite. Men is Men is the default for a lot of people. But then the other category is falls in line with women, according to them. So it's like you have men as just the deviation of. Mm. There's just something strange about them. Either men or not men. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically, that's the category. So maybe it is still a default of, well, there's men. And then there, everything, (laughs) every other category you can come up with just falls in the women category. That's Uh the strange one. So either way you look at it, I guess. It's a new binary of male versus everything. <laughs> I mean, I believe that, too. I don't know. I, I guess someone is who like kind of works adjacent to the tech industry, just seeing the different ways this data can be used and, and is asking you to use it um, is creepy, you know? I think AI is, is increasing rapidly in pretty much all sectors of business, you know, they're going to start using that to determine, you know, what, like we talked about, what kind of care they can give you and should give you and what kind of surgeries they should deny you, things like that. They'll do that for insurance. They'll do that for loans. They'll do that for everything. Yeah, I've heard them propose doing this for welfare benefits, too, like oh my God. reassessing you and seeing like, oh, are you are you getting too much benefits and stuff? Should we adjust that or whatever? Or yeah, are you doing I'm fraud? Sure. You know, like you get cut off of your monthly benefits because some AI said that you were doing fraud. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's going to penetrate almost every market. And I think like the visible ones that get a lot of attention are, are kind of the ones that go into the arts, at least from my standpoint. I don't know how much you've like interacted or seen about AI stories, but like the ones that I hear about the most are, are within the arts and within writing Maybe that's just because of the circles that I run in. And I think because those are easily understood by people, they say, oh, I can make a cool picture with this or I can make the robot say funny things. (laughs) I I think the more concerning trend, I'm not just belittle those concerns because they are real and valid and upsetting. You know, I I had to explain to someone the other day that like, yeah, no, like uh, Adobe is pushing AI really hard. DeviantArt, which is like, you know, where a lot of us artists cut our teeth in the (laughs) early days a lot of tooth metaphors today Uh, (laughs) getting toothy they have these really dark ui practices of like basically having in their terms of service or having it as a really hard to find setting that your work can be fed into ai oh 
So you have to go in there and find ways to say, actually, no, I would like to opt out of that. Yeah. But you have to jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think Clip Studio Paint did that too, um, which is a really popular drawing program for a lot of professional artists. So there's definitely like that movement and it's scary and is, you know, one, exploiting current artists and two, just stupid why 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 are we doing this we could be automating almost anything else besides this the the (laughs) fun and enjoyable part of life can we get robots to do that please the thing that we strive for you know to like have leisure time to do the arts okay cool when when the aliens come to like (laughs) save us from everything and make us their like luxury pets and we just get to have it they're just gonna be like oh no they ruin themselves Mm -hmm. they you know they outsource that to the machines and now they just toil away their their joy that we saw across all these light years for is gone <laughs> yep and i mean that's real and that's happening and it's confusing as fuck and but there's also like these more sinister like back-end stuff like that freaks me out mm-hmm. you know like that that end of like just finding more ways to squeeze money out of people by basically getting to blame it on an algorithm and saying, well, this is more efficient. And and that's already a factor. Like we know this from every experience we have of, you know, whether it's calling and getting, you know, a chat bot or getting a really (laughs) horrifying experience in that way Mm -hmm. that was done because it's more efficient. Like we are constantly trying to take the human element out of it because the human element is slow and inefficient and is, you know, too accommodating. Yeah, I was going to say is a little merciful. Uh, that was part yes. of the big story of like the um, uh, yield star uh, rent thing, the automated rent thing. I forget the names now. I don't interact with them as much as I used to. But uh, is one of the big things they were saying about landlords and having the automated rent system is like regular people, landlords, scum of the earth that they are, would not you know, even stoop so low as to be that mean and demand that much Mm -hmm. money, you know, they had to, and then you're right. They can hide behind the algorithm as this mysterious black box that just says, well, it's, it's, that's what it said, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. that's business and that's the market. And you know, I'm, I'm a nice person still. Uh, don't be mad at me. (laughs) There's no company here or person here that you can get mad at. That's just, that's just the way things are. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, It is this really, Again, when you use profit as the end-all be-all of goal and efficiency, you know, as the end-all be-all goal, like, that's what you're going to do. You're going to create systems that reward that. And that's what we're doing with AI. And I, I, you know, I don't want to be fucking old man yells at cloud about it of like, this is new and scary, so I hate it. But like, (laughs) I I will proudly be a Luddite about it in the original meaning of the word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, in capital sense, this is terrible. Yes, like we can't do it, guys. It's going to take things that are bad, and it's going to make them worse. It's going to take things yes. that are okay, and it's going to make them bad. Like, <laughs> and it, it's not working to solve the problems we want to be solved. Like, you know, they they're making huge advances in like robotics and stuff, and you could think, oh, fucking sick, like, you know, and that that's what the headlines say. They don't say fucking sick, although I would read that newspaper that did that. <laughs> fucking sick robot dude (laughs) Uh, but they'll say (laughs) New York Times bold front page fucking sick robot dude (laughs) (laughs) but but what they'll say you know again press release is 
is, oh, we can use this robot dog to go into dangerous situations to, you know, defuse a bomb or whatever it yeah. is. It's but like, the no, dangerous, dude, gonna- <laughs> the dangerous uh, situation is your neighbor's yard where you're, they're going to kill your dog. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're going to turn them on you. <laughs> yeah. So you are the dangerous situation. <laughs> you yeah. are the bomb they're trying to defuse. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, yeah, uh, it's, um, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Be the bomb <laughs> be the you robot know, they want to defuse. <laughs> okay, yeah. I went to be the robot dog, which just sounds fun. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I want to be... run and jump. <laughs> I want knees that don't break all the time. I want to defuse bombs. Um, <laughs> that sounds high pressure. I yeah. want to be a regular dog, I think, where you don't expect anything from them. Just like a companion robot dog, not a cop Aww. robot dog. I mean, that's a thing, too. They're, they're, they're making, like, semi-realistic companion pets for, like, elderly people, which is cool. But also, yeah. like, bummer we have to do that. But, yeah. Crazy how we don't have a society that takes care of people. It's strange. is like, if you devalue people into just their productivity, then you just when dehumanize they them? can no longer do that. Yeah. They get to lose their people status. <laughs> Lovely world. So, Ooh. you were saying that... Uh, you hear about this a lot in art spaces. A lot mm-hmm. of the times I come across AI stuff is whether fretting or here's a cool thing to do with it is education stuff. Mm. So, I mean, I guess it is targeted. It is all I mean, sectors. Yeah. You know, the algorithms feeding us our stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think if we talk to, to people with different professions, I think we would find that it's in a lot of areas. Like I, I had heard someone talking about it in a very different industry than me. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Like it's, it's coming and it's, it's coming down fast and you're going to have people who are really excited about it and see it as this neutral, exciting tech, but it's not that yet. (laughs) I don't know if it ever will be because I think a lot of the practices that are underpinning it are inherently icky. I think similarly of, of surveillance technology. Like, I don't know how you can use that for like chill reasons, unless it's like, well, we're monitoring like a volcano with cameras. So we'll know if it blows up. <laughs> yeah. I think we discussed along those lines in the Luddite episode is like, there are, you know, technology is a tool, but you know, if you build a big death ray, you can really only use that to be a big death ray. Like, <laughs> exactly. You know? Like we got to draw the line somewhere. And I mean, I didn't see Oppenheimer, so I don't, I'm talking on my ass, but like, I'm sure there are some people on there that were like, well, this will be cool for energy. <laughs> Even when it does have potential for that, it also has potential for very bad things. Yeah. And I mean, I think in that specific group, they, they were in they this knew. top secret government program. I mean, <laughs> they definitely knew what it was for. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the scientific advancement doesn't have to lead that down. You know, yeah. It, it, theoretically, you could. Use, there are peaceful applications for lots of things. But you know, with with these things, we also have to think of the fact that they're going to be tools in the hands of our enemies until they're not there anymore. Like so, AI, so surveillance uh, technology, all that's going to be what used against us until we successfully win a revolution. Yeah. And even then, it's, it's going to be used by the reactionaries. You know, I mean, like it's it's going to be a while until we don't have to worry about the bad uses of that stuff. Robot dogs at the gates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're the nice uh, ones there just to be like companions. Hey, oh, listen. there are robot dogs and we're turning them against. <laughs> we yeah. pre-program them. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> Ethically, I mean, uh, could we do that? You know, reprogram them to be mean and, you know, 
attack our enemies. That's kind of rude. I mean, whatever. They're <laughs> our enemies. And they're just AI, so. It's fine. We could do it and, like, we write in the programming, like, okay, once all enemies are defeated, you become sweet dog. Oh, You come home and you get belly rubs. Yeah. That's how we do it. <laughs> that's how we do it. I do want to go back to what were you saying about the, you know, the algorithm obscuring everything and, and being able to hide behind, say, that or say, oh, it's, you know, the market or it's interest rates or whatever, you know, companies being able to kind of absolve themselves as companies, absolve themselves as people of responsibility for, you know, whatever bad shit they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it kind of made me think though, of when we were, one of the things, one of the critiques we brought up of, um, of worker co-ops. Yeah. Is that if that's within a system of capitalism or any, any of these sort of uh, reforms, whether at the firm level, like a worker co-op or, uh, you know, national level of of uh, minimum wages or different things like this that will help people uh, is that those all operate underneath the system of capitalism or like within that system, so agreeing like that's still going to happen, right? So the market forces and everything and all these bad things that come up that we end up blaming for, you know, making things worse. We're we're agreeing that that's still going to we're not going to try to change that. So. In the case of the worker co-op, you know, they end up having to follow, you know, the laws of competition and stuff. And they end up having to do all those bad things that bad companies do to their workers to themselves. Just to keep up. Yeah, just to keep up. And I don't know. I think that whether it's with AI and how it's going to increasingly rip people off and, and, you know, immiserate them just, you know, to, to, to make the profits still go, uh, it's probably going to be the same at like the national level too. I mean, that's really why you see countries degenerate into fascism and stuff is they're up against the wall. They have to do something. If they're going to keep capitalism, that's really their only route is to put their boot on your neck and stomp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with co-ops, there's a great King of the Hill episode on co-ops. Actually, he like, ends up joining because he can't find good steak at like the, you know, basically the stand in for Walmart in his town. Uh And he starts running it basically, you know, he takes a lot of initiative and stuff and they end up with profit. And it's got a lot of like hippie stereotypes of like, ew, profit. And it's really funny. (laughs) But they become so profitable that the fucking Megalomart buys them out. Uh, uh. And the guys, the co-owners take it because they're like, uh, I want money. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, it's a funny episode. King of the Hill has some good, has some good political moments. I don't know how they are across all of it, but. I would say by and large they do. I, I think, I don't know, there, there's a certain amount of like both sidesism that happens, mm-hmm. you know, but it's overall, I would say pretty good. Doesn't uh, Luan become a communist at some point? <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I need to find out. I think so. I think she joins uh, the communist party or something. That's fucking great and that's horrifying that's Luann she is kind of the worst (laughs) (laughs) oh there was one more thing no it was not an important thing never mind (laughs) (laughs) I was going to brag that I've been making tortillas on my gas stove and it's been fucking transportative like I'm just like I am in Mexico right now it's so good nice (laughs) so yeah 
I'm, I'm very happy about it. Please don't email me about all the chemicals I'm eating. I don't care. They're delicious. It's part of what makes it good. Yeah, you can taste the chemicals. Really, our whole life is negotiating away different chunks of it by different mm-hmm. things we do. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is worth, you know, 14 days off the end. That's fine. I don't need those. <laughs> I'll take it. What was I'll I going to be it. doing? <laughs> How many episodes of Murder, uh, She Wrote that I miss because I wrote that off? <laughs> or whatever. What the fuck? Are we, we're going to be watching TikTok like in nursing homes oh, or whatever? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got, man. Me too. I apologize to listeners if I came in low energy this time. That's uh You're tired. Yeah. <laughs> School started <laughs> up and I'm just I'm here. You got a real I job. It. I'm stringing together several fake jobs, so <laughs> hey, I have more time on my hands. You got to get the money somehow. Yep. You could try uh you know bank stagecoach robbing. It's mm, you know in my spare time. Cool. Yeah. Do a little banditry. That's pre-mustache, so I guess I could do it. (laughs) If they catch you, just jump off the train, you know? It's pretty easy, I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Next week, what are we doing? I think we're doing Alexandra Kolontai. Ooh, all right. Um, Is that like a book report or like a bio? It's a bio. I'm going to try to get a couple more of our readings done this week, but if I don't, I don't, so... Who knows? Cool. I'll try to come up with some questions and stuff, I guess. Things that yeah, I wanted questions. to know about her. Okay. We will talk to y'all then. Yeah. Uh, Till then, stay red. Please do. <laughs> but not that kind of red. Uh, yeah. Come on. Be reasonable. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts. Or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.